happy Valentine's Day, everybody. I hope you have plans to be together with your loved one, with your uh, wife, your husband, your boyfriend, or if not tonight, maybe this weekend. Hope you have a great time together. In our Bible reading plan here at First Baptist, we are in chapter 3 of the book of Galatians. And Paul has been building his argument against the Judaizers who said that salvation and righteousness and justification come through faith plus obeying the Mosaic law, faith plus circumcision and so on. And Paul's arguing, no, 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 salvation, righteousness, justification. The gospel is faith and faith only. It's never faith plus anything else. And in chapter, then latter part of chapter one and chapter two, he built that argument on history, on experiences. Now in chapter three, he begins laying a biblical and theological foundation for why the Judaizers are wrong and that salvation is faith only. So let's look at his biblical and theological arguments in chapter three. And I've summarized these. There are seven arguments that he makes, really more, but seven I want to point out to you just real, real quick. The first one is he asked the Galatians, did you begin your journey with Jesus by faith or works? Well, it was by faith. So if you started your journey with Jesus by faith, why would you try to finish it with works? Look at what he says in verse 2 of chapter 3. This one thing, only one thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Because he teaches, the Bible teaches, that when you become a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes in you and converts you, transforms you, and, and, and you are saved. You're born into the family of God as the Holy Spirit comes in you at the very moment you believe in Jesus. So he said, did that happen to you because you did a bunch of good things, a bunch of religious things, or because you heard the gospel and believed? So he says in verse 5, uh, so then, does he who provides you with the Spirit, God who gave you the Holy Spirit, and, and still works miracles among you, did he, did he do all that because of the, your works of the law or by hearing with faith? So he says, hey, remember how you started. So don't mess it up and change now. By the way, the, the suffering that he mentions in verse 4, if you read the chapter, and hopefully you did, is the suffering they endured when they first got saved. Now, the second argument is a biblical argument, and you could say it's a historical argument too because he makes the point that Abraham, father of the Jewish people. Abraham was saved by faith, by belief, not by works or good deeds. Look at verse 6 of Galatians chapter 3. He said, even so, Abraham believed God, had faith in God, and it, that belief, that faith, was reckoned to him, was assigned to him, accounted to him, if you will, as righteousness. So God declared Abraham righteous, not because of what he did, but because of his faith, his belief, which showed itself in obedience, yes, but it was his faith that made him righteous. And there he is quoting Genesis 15, verse 6, if you want to look it up. And remember, <clears throat> Abraham was declared right with God because of his faith, and that happened more than 400 years before God gave Moses the law at Mount Sinai. And that's just part of the argument he's building, that salvation is by faith and faith alone, not faith plus anything else. Because that's how Abraham, <coughs> excuse me, 
the father of the Jews was saved. Argument number three, he says the true sons, the true heirs of Abraham. Now listen to this. The true heirs of Abraham, the true sons of Abraham are people who have faith. People who have faith in Jesus, not those who follow the Old Testament law. Look at verse 7. Therefore be sure that it is those who are of faith who are the sons of Abraham. Notice that. Those who are of faith are the true sons of Abraham. Look with me at verse 16. Now, the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. He does not say, and to seeds, to plural, but to singular seed, not plural, seeds as referring to many. If it was plural, it'd be referring to a bunch of people, but it's singular, so it's referring to one. Rather to one and to your seed, that is Christ. He's quoting Genesis 22, 18. Genesis 22, 18. And the seed through whom God was going to bless, the seed of Abraham, singular, through whom God was going to bless the nations, the Gentiles, the world, was Jesus. Not the Jewish people. Jesus. And we're all sons of Abraham because of our faith in Jesus. Look at verse 14. He said, in order that Christ Jesus... The, in, in order that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham, God in Genesis 12, Abraham, through you, I'll, I'll bless the nations. <clears throat> and he says in verse 14, that this blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we would receive the promise of the Spirit through faith, that we inherit that blessing through faith when the Holy Spirit comes into our lives. When we have faith in Jesus, we become sons of Abraham, if you will, and we are the recipients of that blessing that God promised to bless the nations with back in Genesis 12. Then in verse 29, and if you belong to Christ, if you belong to Jesus Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants, Heirs according to the promise. How much clearer can it get? He, he, he makes the same argument in Romans when he says the church is true Israel today because the true sons of Abraham are those who believe. Not just because you have blood coursing through your veins. Uh, argument number four. The Old Testament prophets said faith is what makes us righteous. Even years after Moses, look in, 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 in verse 11, verse 11, he says, now that no one, he says, now that no one, not one single person, no matter their race, no matter who they are, not one single person is justified by the law. He said, that's evident. It's evident. Why? And then he quotes the Old Testament. The righteous man shall live by faith. The righteous man shall live by faith. He's quoting the prophet Habakkuk. Chapter 2, verse 4. So even the prophet said, no, it's by faith, not by keeping the law, that you're made righteous. Argument number five. <clears throat> Argument number five. <clears throat> if you are going to be saved by the law, you're going to be saved by keeping the law, obeying the law, you're going to be saved by good works, then he says you must obey the law completely, perfectly. Verse 10. For as many as are of the works of the law 
are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law to perform them. He says, in other words, if you don't totally obey the law, you will end up being cursed on the judgment day because you, you broke the law. How many, how many crimes do you have to commit to become a criminal? One. How many laws do you have to break to become a lawbreaker? One. If you're going to be saved by keeping the law, you have to obey it perfectly. <laughs> well, none of us can do that. It's the same thing. If you think you're going to be saved because of, of doing good works and not sinning, how good? Do, where's, the, where's the line between good enough and not good enough? Perfection. Because if you, if you sin one time, you're a sinner. Break the law one time, you're a lawbreaker. And so nobody can be saved by keeping the law. Nobody can be saved by doing good. Because if you're, going to, if you're going to go after it that way, then you have to do it perfectly, completely, or you're not going to make it. And he also says the same thing in verse 12. <clears throat> Number six, just to wrap this up real quick. Jesus, he says, Jesus freed us from the law, verses 13 and 14. You, you, he redeemed us from the curse of the law. So we're not, we're not under the law anymore. That's not how we try to attain salvation. So stop trying to make it faith plus the law. Jesus freed you from that. And then the final argument, number seven, is the real purpose of the law. He, he describes uh, starting in verses 19 and following. And the real purpose of the law, and you can read it, is to reveal to you that you are a sinner. <laughs> uh, because you're supposed to do all this. Well, you can't do all that. Oh, you become aware that you are a sinner and you, and the law becomes your tutor that points you toward Jesus. And all of a sudden, because you can't keep the law and you can't be perfect, you realize, I need someone to rescue me. I need someone to save me. I need Jesus Christ. That is the true purpose of the law. Now, one last thought, the devotional thought for me is a word in verse 1 where he said, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? I thought of the TV show Bewitched from years ago, Bewitched. Who's bewitched you? Um, who? It's like somebody put a spell on you. You were saved by faith, and now you want to add the law to it, circumcision to it, good deeds to it as a way. So now it's salvation by faith plus all. Who bewitched you? Who put an evil spell on you? You know who did that? Satan. Because if Satan can distort the gospel and keep you out of heaven, he's happy. If Satan can distort the gospel by appealing to your pride and sense of self-righteousness, that is, yeah, I believe in Jesus, but also on this and this and this, he bewitches you. <laughs> he puts an evil spell on you. And that ends up separating you from Jesus and sends you to hell. And the only person who's happy about that is the evil one. So don't let him bewitch you with a distorted gospel. Don't let it happen. But tomorrow... We'll be in chapter four. God bless you. I'll see you then.